There is no cheap solution for concrete's carbon emissions yet. Concrete is responsible for 5% or more of global CO2 emissions, and it will get more expensive. Welcome to The Future is Electric, a techno-optimistic podcast associated with the medium publication of the same name. We explore the future with a recurring focus on climate change, technologies which are transforming our world, and a side helping of politics and culture. I'm your host, Michael Bernard, Chief Strategist of TFIE. Concrete is the grey glue that binds our cities and industries together, and makes tall buildings possible and foundations strong. It helps us bridge rivers and valleys and keeps wind turbines upright. We don't have a replacement for it. It's not going anywhere. But it's also one of the largest sources of CO2 emissions globally, with estimates ranging from 5% to 12%, depending on the source. The common solutions today for emissions are just like putting a little hydrogen in a natural gas line an inadequate response to the climate crisis. So what can we do about it? Do we have actual solutions? What will they cost? When will they be in place? The greenhouse gas emissions from concrete come from a couple of major things and a few minor things. Uh, Let's deal with the minor things first because they have obvious solutions. Concrete is a mixture of cement, the glue, and fine and coarse gravel, typically referred to as aggregate, and sometimes replaced with non-gravel substitutes. Most of concrete CO2 emissions come from the manufacturing of cement. Cement requires quicklime, which is manufactured from limestone, the hard bit to be covered next, clay and sand. These are all heavy materials which have to be mined and shipped, both of which use fossil fuels right now. And when the heavy cement has to be shipped to truck to its point of use, It uses more fossil fuels. Electrification of mining equipment and transportation is underway, as is decarbonization of of the grid. That part is just a matter of time. And it's only about 10% of the emissions challenge. However, the process of making cement isn't a fully solved problem right now, specifically the manufacturing of quicklime from limestone. For context, quicklime is 66 to 90% of cement according to varying sources. So this is the majority of emissions. Manufacturing quicklime involves heating up the limestone, sand and clay in a kiln to hundreds of degrees in order to bake, bake the excess carbon and oxygen off of the limestone, leaving only the quicklime to bind to the sand and clay to create clinker. And those are the two problems, the source of heat and the CO2 from the limestone. Energy re- represents about 40% of the emission challenges and the CO2 baking off the limestone is the other 50%. Then the cement is mixed with aggregate and water at the site of use to make concrete. Let's look at emissions from making heat. The the heat comes from fossil fuels. Um, For an assessment of the use concentrating solar power for the source of heat, a purported Gates investment use case and a failed idea, I wrote this, I quote, Lime kilns for large-scale production of quicklime are rotary drums up to 13.5 feet or 4 meters in diameter and 400 meter or 122 meters long. Ignition of natural gas incurs inside the body of the rotating drum with high heat flames, roughly three times the length of the diameter of the interior of the kiln. 
So in the, in the case of the bigger kilns, it's a jet of flame roughly 40 feet or 12 meters in length and about half the diameter of the kiln in width. Yeah, natural gas inside a 100 plus meter long rotating drums. The, there are vertical kilns and diagonal ones. The, the, and the heat isn't actually a problem. We can make as much heat we want in a dozen ways with electricity. There's a patent that I discovered for an electric heat lime kiln. And apparently a Newfoundland cement plant, North Star Cement, was electrically powered, although it was shut down a few years ago. This part is a solved problem. All it is is more expensive than using dirt-cheap fossil fuels. Electricity is already starting to drop in price in some places with more renewables on the grid because they're so cheap to operate. Projections are for the wholesale cost of electricity to be in the $20 per megawatt range in much of the world by 2050. But right now, natural gas is really cheap in many places. Its distillates are much higher margin, but often companies are basically giving away the gas for cost of distribution plus a bit of markup. It's a bulk commodity revenue play and very cheap for the BTUs it outputs. Carbon pricing will be tipping the balance over the coming years, with electricity getting cheaper and gas getting more expensive. And then the cement market will be buying electric kilns instead of gas-fired ones. Let's take a ton of cement. Natural gas has been fluctuating between $2 and $5 per million BTUs. Modern lime kilns, modern lime kilns take 6 to 8 million BTUs for a ton of cement. So that's about $12 to $40 per ton of energy costs. BTUs can easily be converted to megawatt hours and 6 to 8 million BTUs turns into 1.8 to 2.3 megawatt hours. When you start getting to $20 per megawatt hour electricity, that means $36 to $46 per ton energy costs, which is a bit higher. But when you start pricing carbon, the economics change pretty quickly. Currently, Canada has a really low carbon price. It turns into about one point, about $2 Canadian per gigajoule, about a buck fifty US per gigajoule, at the current $20 Canadian per ton of CO2. Uh, those BTUs turn into 6.3 to 8.4 gigajoules. So that's another $9.40 to $12.60 US dollars per ton by itself at the low cost of, of carbon. The, the cost of energy for a ton of cement using natural gas has suddenly gone to $21.40 to $52.60 US, which overlaps with electricity. But Canada's carbon price is going up to 30 Canadian, then 40, then 50 over the next few years. So the related cost adder for a gigajoule of natural gas is increasing as well. That means that in 2020, quicklime heating energy from natural gas will be $26 to $59 per ton. Then in 2021, it'll be $31 to $65. And at $50, it's about $36 to $71 per ton. So it's usually cheaper to use electricity if it gets down to $20 per megawatt hour electricity. But we don't have $20 per megawatt hour electricity yet. Industrial rates are often the $40 per megawatt hour range. That's still $72 to $92 per ton. That's the exam for example, in British Columbia, the industrial rates for electricity are around $40 per megawatt hour US. Um, this is one of the reasons why carbon pricing is inadequate by itself. 
very, very few jurisdictions have ever managed to get carbon pricing up above up to $30 Canadian per ton. And Canada just had one of the federal elections where that was an issue. The people who wanted to axe the carbon price had a good shot at winning, but thankfully failed. Australia wasn't so lucky. They got to 23 Australian dollars per ton a few years ago, and then the sensible government was ditched by the conservative one, which had promised to axe the carbon tax, the more typical pattern. You can certainly see that by 2050, sensible carbon pricing and lots of cheap renewable electricity on the grid mean the economics of heating with electricity will be cheaper than the economics of using natural gas. But we aren't there yet. And to be clear, this means that each ton of cement will be more expensive, whether we produce it from electricity or natural gas. So yes, this is a solved problem technically, but not a solved problem economically or politically today. Then there are the CO2 emissions from the limestone. This problem isn't going away easily. There are a lot of efforts to make lower CO2 cement and concrete, but mostly it's changing the proportion of other fillers that are lower CO2, mostly leftover fly ash from burning coal, which we have in huge toxic piles dotting the world. Using recycled concrete from demolished infrastructure as aggregate in concrete is also done. However, we still need quicklime, and the only readily available source is limestone. As stated, the carbon and oxygen that bake off are in the form of CO2. We have technology for that as well. Capturing CO2 at the source of emissions works. We know how to pump it underground. The problem is once again not technology, but expense. The Canadian Boundary Dam coal plant in Saskatchewan, Canada is instructive. Basically, the cheapest they could make it, even with the CO2 used for enhanced oil recovery revenue, turned the electricity into $145 per megawatt hour, about doubling it. A concrete industry professional I spoke with indicated that there were technical challenges with capturing CO2 from cement kilns that weren't fully resolved, but I recently looked at the solvate process for making sodium carbonate, and it has been using CO2 captured from limestone to make carbon for decades. So there's a disconnect there, likely in the efficiency of capture. The per ton of CO2 cost for at source capture and real sequestration is about $100 to $140 per ton of CO2. How much CO2 does a ton of limestone emit? About a half ton per the IPCC. So every ton of limestone comes with a half a ton of, of CO2, which costs, or every ton of quicklime comes with about a half ton of CO2, which costs about $50 to $70 to capture and sequester. Assuming the maximum Canadian price on carbon and 100% carbon capture and sequestration costs for CO2, that brings the full cost per ton of quicklime up to $86 or $141, or four to six times more expensive than it is today. Changing the composition of cement and, and using less of it are options. Uh, that ton of cement is looking more and more expensive, isn't it? If carbon were priced, a lot less cement would likely be used. There are other aspects we're looking at as alternatives to quicklime for cement. Uh, they have challenges. Some don't set at room temperature, but must be heated to 50 to 90 degrees Celsius, making them untenable for the vast majority of construction. Imagine heating a large bridge across a river, for example. Others only lower emissions by 10%. 
not a particularly useful solution. Although the cement industry ad, um, contact that I had said, hey, at least it's 10%. Others require a lot of aluminum and have roughly 25% of total CO2 emissions. But the aluminum makes them expensive as well. Aluminum has been fluctuating around $1,900 per ton over the past year, so the cost can be challenging. A cement formulation that absorbs over its life as much CO2 as is emitted during the manufacturing uses magnesite. But the global market and supply for magnesite is a tiny fraction of cement, so it's incredibly hard to scale up. Another process out of Germany cuts both heat and quicklime substantially, leading to a 50% reduction in overall CO2 emissions, but it's a much more complex process that has never made it out of the lab and production level, and has never made it above a production level greater than 100 kilograms per day. Geopolymer approaches, which include blending things such as fly ash from coal generation, appear to be the most effective from a performance and cost perspective, and do provide a useful pathway for getting rid of the fly ash itself over the next 30 years. But of course we'll be stopping coal generation and new supplies won't be being created. At least in Canada, one major user of cement is going to be diminishing. Buildings up to 12 stories can now safely be built using engineered hardwood, substantially reducing the cement requirements. BC has already approved it, and Canada is making it national in 2020. Regardless of anything else, the primary glue that holds our buildings, bridges, and infrastructure together is going to become more expensive in a low-carbon world. This, is, this has fairly significant implications for the cost to build most of the infrastructure we depend on. You have been listening to The Future is Electric, a techno-optimistic view of climate change, transformative technologies, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Michael Bernard, Chief Strategist of TFIE. These podcasts are available from the medium publication of the same name, Anchor FM, and other podcast sites. Let us know that you are enjoying us via Claps and Medium, and tell us what you'd like us to cover next. 